Welcome to Behavior Groups, the podcast that explores human behavior through a behavioral science lens. I'm Kurt. And I'm Tim. Behavioral Grooves is the podcast where we explore why we do what we do with researchers, authors, and practitioners in a conversational setting. And we do that in order to bring those insights to you. Our goal is to bring great ideas to you from around the globe, all through a behavioral science lens. We do this so you can improve your decision-making, modify your environment, and change your behaviors in ways that will enhance your life. And on top of that, We like to chat up our guests about their musical preferences. And that musical thing is central to our discussion today, Kurt. In this episode, we speak with two researchers who conducted some very cool studies during the heart of the pandemic. They tried to identify the most influential things that lifted people's spirits during the very darkest months of 2020. And we discovered the work of Pablo Ripoles and Ernest Masherero, and well, we just had to talk to them. I know you wanted to talk to them about music. Okay, well, and the behavioral research that they conducted during the pandemic, too. Yeah, but mostly about music, (laughs) right? Okay. And actually, that's fine, because Pablo and Ernest's research revealed that the thing that had the strongest effect on improving our disposition during the loneliest hours of the pandemic was... Wait for it. (laughs) I'm waiting. Wait for it. I'm waiting. (laughs) Music. And away, music was better than any other thing you could do to lift your spirits, according to their research. Yeah, I figured. Okay. It turned out that music was even better at reducing the effects of psychological distress than yoga, making meals, being on social media. Duh. (laughs) doing spiritual exercises, having video calls with loved ones, watching Netflix, exercising indoors or outdoors, or Tim, get this, it was even more effective than sex. Oh, fantastic. As far as I'm concerned, it's music. (laughs) And I would have bet on music from the start, Kurt. I'm just saying, man, uh, I hope that music would take the cake because it's emotionally immersive, right? It's highly accessible, completely portable, and listening can be done in lots of multitasking situations. Like you could have sex and listen to music at the same time, right? Right. Doubly impactful, right? Wouldn't that work? Compounding (laughs) effect on that, exactly. (laughs) Did they did they study that by the way do we know no no <laughs> they did not that's that's different research i think all right well the research considered music to refer to more than just listening it also considered a bunch of music related activities including composing playing an instrument and singing but we also talked about anandonia, the condition where people are unable to experience pleasure in certain aspects of their lives It was a very interesting discussion. Yeah, very interesting. And I want to call attention to a research tool that Ernest has developed recently. It's called the BMRQ, the Barcelona Music Recognition Questionnaire. And we'd invite you to participate in his research by taking this very brief 20-question survey. It will help you discover how your brain experiences rewards in music-related activities. So there's a link in the episode notes if you could just spare three or four minutes on this very, very cool survey. And speaking of three or four minutes, you could spend half of that amount of time to head over to our Patreon page and make a teeny tiny little pledge to help us in our mission to expand the community of those interested in applying behavioral science to their work and life. And actually, if you give more than just a teeny little bit, you can actually get our album which has music on it about behavioral <laughs> science <laughs> it's gonna and be you great can be, it, it's a it's a wonderful reward anyway i'll bet you can complete the pledge in less time than it takes to sing the alphabet song tim i'll, I'll take that bet go a uh, b c no, no, okay. a, oh sorry <laughs> uh, we would love if you would take a minute or two to go over to our patreon page and that's at www.patreon.com forward slash behavioral grooves and we are grateful for whatever subscription level makes sense to you so thank you very much in advance all right with that we ask you to sit back with the songs of your early teens playing in the background a frothy pour of your favorite malt beverage and listen to our conversation with Pablo and Ernest. 
Pablo Ripoles and Ernest Masherero. Welcome to Behavioral Grooves. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. Well, good. And we always start with a with a speed round. So, uh, Pablo, I'll let you, since we have two of you, you're going to get to answer first on this one. Do you prefer coffee or tea? Neither. I don't drink neither. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we should have had a third. We should have had a third response. All I'm right. a kid. I'm a, I'm a cho- uh, hot chocolate guy. I'm a little kid. Hot chocolate. You and my son. You and my son would get along really well right there, Pablo. All right. Ernest. All right, Ernest. Yeah. I go for coffee. 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 Okay. 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 All right. So Ernest, you're gonna start this this you answer this one first. Uh Hamon Iberico or Black Forest Ham? Hamon Iberico, no doubt. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) And Pablo? I don't think that I need to answer the question. How many? Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, just just to let the listeners know, if you're not familiar with Hamon Iberico, it is it is heaven on earth. For, that that and the only place I've I've been able to get it without having to pay two hundred dollars a pound is uh, is in Spain. So. And, and so, what is it? Is uh, oh. I, I don't even know. It's besides heaven on earth. Is it? Uh, you need you need you need uh, a different podcast to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> that would take up the whole hour. Yeah. There, is, there are these pigs who are a special type of uh, of pigs that uh, they are allowed to to roam freely and they eat uh, acorns. Okay. And they are very fatty. So, I mean, this is not suited for vegetarians or vegans. But my God, I have I have some vegetarian friends. That the only meat they eat once a year in Christmas is jamón ibérico. <laughs> <laughs> it's their their little cheat meat, huh? Oh, yes. Man. <laughs> yeah. It, it is. It is. It is truly magical, though. I think as, as as far as that is. Okay. All right. All right. I'm going back, Pablo, to first answer this one. Uh, dinner with your favorite athlete or your favorite musician? Favorite musician. Okay. Ernest. Just to say the opposite, favorite athlete. <laughs> okay. Okay. Fair enough. Just out of curiosity, Pablo, does a favorite musician come to mind? Yeah. Yeah. I would love to have dinner and a full night of party with the Dropkick Murphys, which are my favorite band. Oh! Look at the, How the whole band. That? There you go. The whole band. Hey, <laughs> you have to, de- to dream big. <laughs> well, yeah. with the Dropkick Murphys, I think you definitely would. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Celtic Celtic punk uh, would not yep. just be like a calm. Let's sit down and have a refined, uh, you know, dinner. No, not at all. Okay, um, and, and and Ernest, any any favorite athlete come to mind? Some of the big ones, Messi, for instance, uh, <laughs> Michael Jordan. I don't know, Roger Federer. There are so many yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. yeah just go down have a dinner dinner a week there you go <laughs> um all righty so last, last speed round question which is and 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 pablo we'll start with you on this which is better which is a better reward for your brain during the pandemic yoga cooking or music definitely music excellent <laughs> excellent and of course we asked that because of your research so so let's start with just um pablo if you if you wouldn't mind just sticking with this just give us a short overview of what your research was about and what you found yeah so uh, almost a year ago when when the pandemic started um we both ernest and i we were and under uh, lockdown I was here in New York and I was in Barcelona and we were talking, Ernest and I go way back to, we did the PhD together, we've known each other for 10 years and uh, we were talking about the ways people, the, the ways people were, were using everyday leisure activities to cope with uh, the psychological distress that comes with the pandemic and when we've been under lockdown uh, orders and of course we were interested in music and uh, we wanted to study whether music was being an effective thing that people were using to, to, to be less depressed, to be less stressed. And suddenly this phone call turned into an international collaboration with <laughs> Robert Zatorre from, uh, and Naomi Singer from McGill University, Laura Ferreri from University of, of Lyon, and Michael McPhee from, from my team here, right? So basically we ran a study during May, collecting data uh, from Italy, Spain, and United States, 1,000 participants, in which we 
asked about not only music, I think this is very important for us, that we, we didn't focus only on music, we focused on everything. We had a, a list of more than 40 items, uh, cooking, cooking your favorite recipes, uh, doing uh, exercise outdoors, indoors, yoga, and other meditation activities, praying, uh, everything you can, you can think of. We also collected uh, some questionnaires that measure psychological distress, depression, anxiety, stress, and also some, um, some questionnaires that measure personality traits. For example, the most important for us is hedonia. So how much pleasure you do, do you get from typically pleasurable and rewarding things in life? And, uh, and uh, we've been uh, working on this since June when the data collection ended. And uh, the main the main take, and I know I should stick to short answers. I'm sorry. The main take <laughs> of message is that we only found two things that were related to uh, a better psychological state, and those were music and food related activities. But they work in very different ways. And music works because music is pleasurable. So the people who could benefit more from from music were those who, in general, can experience more pleasure from typically pleasurable stimuli in life. Yeah. And Ernest, I, I think you went so far as to say it's more than just a coping mechanism, but, but there's a healing aspect. I think, is that correct that you, that you believe that, that music could actually have a healing effect on, on people during the pandemic? Well, that at least can mitigate, you know, uh, these, uh, mood related symptoms as it can be particularly depression. So it may help to cope with the situation and to regulate our emotions. And it does so because it's pleasurable, basically. That's the main reason, or at least according to our our results. So it's not that it help, uh, we don't use music as a distractor, but it's mm. just because it's pleasurable that it may have some impact on on our mood. And so so you 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 found that that food so is it cooking food is it eating food was also part of this and then how does that work compared to music you said music is because it's pleasurable but what what part of the food and and how does what's the differentiation between those two so it seems that while music works because of its pleasurable uh effects uh cooking it's more related to that it helps us to somehow regulate our emotions efficiently mm. and especially the negative ones exactly so it it helps us to to reduce and to get rid of these negative uh, feelings maybe helping us to to express our emotions for instance by cooking but that's somehow different to what we see with music that it's it's basically because we enjoy it and are mm. those activities that we find more pleasurable, those that may work better in order to regulate our mood. Yeah, that's fa that's fascinating uh, that there is something that really is different about music than pretty much anything else, right, in, in how we interact with it. Um, you also, uh, Pablo, you talked a little bit about all this variety of things, and then you mentioned uh, personality types and hedonia. Um, I'm, I, I've got some other things to go to there, but we'll get back to that. But uh, hedonia, which uh, hedonia, if, if I understand it correctly, is our ability to feel pleasure, right? Our likelihood to feel pleasure. Uh, yeah. And then the opposite of that is anhedonia, which is the inability to feel pleasure, right? So Correct. tell us a little bit about what your research is, is revealing about the, 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 the impact of hedonia and anhedonia uh, during, you know, during this uh, research? Basically, we, we have a measure of how hedonic or anhedonic people are, right? And um, we run an analysis, which is called a medition analysis. Basically, uh, it, it uh, lets you know what is, what is the relationship between three factors, right? And here our factors are music, how much uh, did I engage in music during the lockdown, measures of psychological distress and how hedonic I am as a person, right? And what we see is that the effect that the hours of uh, engagement with music-related activities has on depression is mediated, can be explained by uh, how hedonic I am as a person, right? In the sense that people who are more hedonic are going to benefit more from uh, listening to music or playing music or, or, or composing. So that's going to be more beneficial to them. They are going to be less depressed thanks to that than people who are less hedonic. 
there is a, there is a problem with people who are anhedonic because usually anhedonia correlates already a lot with depression. Mm. Already, so just anhedonia is, is already positively correlated with people who are depressed. Yeah, but mm. here we 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 had very few participants who were an, what is considered anhedonic per se. Mm. We had people mm. with different gradients or or uh, of of hedonia, but it's not that we that this result is driven by a number of people who were already depressed, right? That mm. and and who were were anhedonic. It's just like, for example. It's a funny thing, like in this test, usually people get between 12, 13 points. But look, I have a friend here who, who gets a two. The maximum is one, you know? So that person is a hyperedonic. He really enjoys everything about life. And I enjoy a lot, <laughs> not as much as him, you know? But that doesn't mean that I am an edonic. It just means that I am edonic, but maybe not as edonic as this other person, right? On a, on a different scale. I want to just go back just to, to, to clarify. So for our listeners, when, when we talk about music as part of this research, this isn't necessarily playing music. It could be listening to music. It's actually just having an encounter, an experience with music. Ernest, is that, would you say that, is that how that that's defined? Yeah, that's how we define it in this, in this study. So we were averaging all types of music related activities, listening to music, and then you can have also listening to happy music, listening to sad music, but then playing, composing, singing, dancing. They were all in the, in the same kind of. Although now we are working also in a second paper in which what we want to investigate these items, how they work individually. So basically mm. the idea is that in this first study, what we show is that the impact that music has on, on depression, it's basically explained because of its ability to generate pleasure. No? But actually there are several sources of pleasure in music. And that's one of the nice things of music, it's not only about listening. Some others may enjoy much more just the fact of singing or dancing or the excitement of looking for novelties and things like that. So in this second paper, what we are trying to see is uh, in which activities people have engaged and whether those can be predicted by certain individual differences in musical reward sensitivity. So depending on wh whether they are more sensitive to novelty, they are more sensitive or they use more music to regulate their emotions or what they like of music is the fact that they feel synchronized with more people and give them a context of social interaction and so on to see if we can somehow individualize more this strategy. You know, so that if somebody comes and it's in a bad mood, just make them listen to music if that's what they enjoy or make them dance if that's what they enjoy. So what Ernest is talking about here, and uh, because he's very humble, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this thing that he hates that I do, in which I say that he's using a, a scale which is called the Barcelona Music Reward Questionnaire that he developed, which is let's say the counterpart of the Edonia test that we use for for general Edonia, but on, but only for music, right? So he has a very good measure of pleasure, but only for music, and that has different has different scales like the social motor like i like to dance with music right and um for anybody who's interested in this he should read the uh, ernest words regarding uh, musical anedonia which is one of the most beautiful stories uh, regarding science and how science should be done <laughs> we will <laughs> we will definitely have links six or seven in, years yeah we will have links in, in the show notes uh to get to that paper directly as well as just to the bmrq for people to actually go out and 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 take this, you you uh, anyone can can go out to the BMRQ and uh, and and test themselves on on uh, how music appeals to the reward centers. Yeah, we have an online version, so yeah, yeah, I think I think that that's fantastic. Uh, and, and Pablo, thank you for uh, for as we we say, uh, sounding Ernest's trumpet there. That's <laughs> yeah. that's, 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 that's a good thing. But I want to get back to and and uh, again, uh, the the study looked at many many things, and music has more appeal to the reward center, right? If I understand this correctly, right? That that there are more aspects of music that appeal to our our reward center that that make us feel good. You mentioned some. Ernest, some um, uh, singing and dancing and just listening. There's a variety of ways that we don't, and we don't have those when, I mean, cooking, we can still be involved in, and food, we can still be involved in the cooking with the 
I don't know, shopping at the market, uh, preparing the food, eating the food, not, but not the same, apparently, huh? I think one of the key things of music is that it's something that you don't need to actively do something. You just mm. put your headphones, play, and just relax and listen to music. You know, with cooking, it's not like music that you may be like, I'm a bit depressed or I'm a bit anxious, you know, I'm going to listen to music. It's not like I'm going to cook, you know, it's not something that you can do every time, uh, everywhere, or the same than exercise. But music, you can do it everywhere, you know, as long as you have your music player or whatever, right? So I think that's one of the key things of, of music. So, so when I when I explain these results, I always get the same the same question, which is Pablo, Pablo, no, no, exercise, exercise. There must be a result with exercise, and people <laughs> or, tell me or, no, or like, sex. or sex, or sex. Yeah. <laughs> but but people tell me like, no, 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 exercise really helped me during the pandemic. I'm like, look, what do you want me to tell you? Like, that? we didn't find it, right? We didn't find a, a, a correlation with exercise. I've, we've been talking Ernest and I a lot about this. There is a number, like how many times can you go for a run a day if you feel bad several times, no? It's like if I'm anxious in the morning, I'm anxious in the evening, there is a limit to the number of times that you can go and do exercise. But music activates the reward system maybe in, in, in the same way that exercise or, or at least for sure activates the same brain regions that food does, but it's cheap, cheap in the, not, not cheap in an economical sense. It's like it's effortless, right? So... Mm. I think this plays a, a big role here that uh, is something that we can we can use. And even if people, if you are depressed and you don't feel like doing much, so you're not going to go for a run because you are depressed, you're like, oh, or maybe you don't want to cook. But what Ernest says, like playing music, it, it takes nothing, right? And it's harm-free. So yeah. it's not like <laughs> eating, for instance, you can eat, but if you eat a lot, maybe at some point, you know, that will be... It will turn pathological and you may have some problems or with exercise. You may end up also with injuries and, and physical problems. But with music, there is never too much. So so you didn't explore exactly like if people are listening to upbeat music or uh, playing music or, or sad songs, right? But I, I'm wondering, and, and maybe this is an area that you're, you're going to look into. So if you're, if you're depressed, and I, I've known this from myself a little bit, like sometimes when I get depressed, I don't want to hear the happy songs. I'm actually want to hear some of those songs that are more downbeat in different pieces. Is there any, any research that you know of or that you guys have done that, that says the type of music actually can impact that and it is one better than the other for for this healing aspect of it so i think that the point is that that depends on you so okay. that's actually what we are exploring also with the same data because we were asking also whether people were listening to happy music to sad music oh, okay and and so on or whether they were playing or singing or dancing and at the end when it seems is that it really depends on your personality traits so there might be some people that may get more benefit from listening to happy music and that's what they seek when they feel depressed and other people may actually get more benefit from listening to sad music. So at the end, it's what do you find pleasurable, you know, in that situation and then go for it. Doesn't matter what it is that it will be uh, beneficial as long as it is pleasurable. This is one of the things that 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 we love about studying music, studying music, but also one of the things that drives us crazy, and is that everybody likes uh, a different thing and everybody is different, right? And this fascinates me: the fact that the same pattern of sounds is the same pattern of sounds can uh, give me chills and goosebumps, and can make the next person uh, be upset uh, about the bagpipes that I am listening to, you know? And, and it's, the, it's the same pattern of sounds. And what, what Ernest is saying here is so important that in the end is it's whatever whatever works for you, right? Whatever whatever is it that whatever kind of music gives you pleasure. And in other studies that we have done and that people do, when you try to do a musical intervention, when you try to use music to help people out, it has to be, it has to be music that they like. So Spotify has recently filed for a patent that says that they will, through a, through a personal speaker, be listening to the sound of your voice. And if they detect that the sound of your voice is, is sad, then they, they're going to create a playlist and start playing music that's going to be appropriate for you. But it sounds like that's going to be very difficult to do because that could vary by every single individual. 
I call I call BS on that one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, go, go, go ahead, Pablo. You you, you start. <laughs> Ernest is going to be more polite than me. <laughs> oh. No, I was saying it's probably it's feasible, but you have to count for many things, right? And you have to count for these individual differences because what may work for somebody may not work for others. For others, so you just need some tool to screen what works better for you. So so even if Spotify can detect that you are sad by your voice the the playlist that they uh create cannot just be a sad playlist that works across the the vast majority of people because all of this is individualized and that's that's what i'm hearing you guys say exactly so i'm curious as to you two personally have your playlists changed since you've been in the pandemic are you listening to different music than you would have listened to before the pandemic. Yeah, definitely. I have a pandemic playlist. <laughs> you do? <laughs> yeah, I do. Okay. I do. It has like 250 songs now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I have listened so much more to music. So much more. So much more. And uh, I'm always looking for songs that, uh, that, not songs like, you know, the kind of songs that you like and you can have in the background, but it's okay. My my pandemic playlist is are songs that really get to me, you know, like that I really find pleasure in them. And maybe I'm working, I haven't in the back, but but there are 20 seconds in where in which I stop. I'm like, oh, this song is so good, and then I can continue. <laughs> <laughs> so this has been kind of my 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 changes behavior is like more and more intense. So Pablo, is that is that a conscious piece on your part? Do you think, or based on? the insights that you got from this research or is that just a natural kind of result of hey we're stuck here and and i'm trying to figure out life as it goes and it just seems to these songs seem to be more appealing to me at this point i think it's a, it's a bit of both right like uh, suddenly i did not realize what i was doing but then we started to talk about this project and, and I, I stopped and think about what well, how my behavior had changed, and then I realized that, of course, uh, I was I was listening more, and the songs that I were I was choosing were very intense. Not in not intense in like I have everything there. I have from classical to rap to Valencian rock. You know, intense. Uh, like they were, they, all of them were very special for me. Okay, you probably have some Dropkick Murphys in there too, huh? A lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, Ernest, I, did you did you have? I'm sorry, Tim. Did uh, is anything similar for you? Do you have a, a a playlist for for the pandemic? Not really. I have been actually listening to music from my childhood most of the time, and <laughs> and actually, what I have what I felt is maybe that I was dancing and singing much more since I'm working at home. There is nobody around. I can, <laughs> I can do whatever I want. So basically, yes, I dance and sing most of the time. Okay. All right. <laughs> so, so not a playlist, but a dancing uh, yeah. curated uh, singing uh, element going on there. Okay, good. So the neuroscience is, it seems to indicate that in general, we are connecting, we, we connect mostly to that music we heard when we were young, right? 13, 14, 15, 16 years old. Um, it, it sounds earnest, like that's what you're referring to is, is the, those kinds of years. Who's on your playlist? Who, who are those artists that, that you like to, to listen to? Oh, oh no. I just, I got the, I got the look that just says, no, don't ask me about the artist. <laughs> well, there is not, it's just actually uh, Catalan bands, Spanish bands. And some I have been like this rediscovering again, some ska bands that uh, maybe I was listening when I was 20 or something and that I didn't hear for a long time and I was just rediscovering the music that I was listening at that time, basically. That's fantastic. And by the way, there aren't just Catalan bands or just Spanish bands or just ska bands. They're fantastic bands. These are all <laughs> bands. They did it. They did it. We don't want to write off the music. So I like music that, that, that makes me dance, basically. So oh, okay. I'm, so I listen more rumba, which is a very particular uh, genre, and but that's it. It's not a very uh, sophisticated music, but it works for me. That that's what it's important at the end. 
I, I think we've learned from someone talking here about their research that, it, the, you know, that the individuals matter in this. So I'm trying to justify myself sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> it's working. It's working. Pablo, how about you? What, 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 what music are you listening to from your youth these days? I'm, 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 a, I'm a little bit a, a music mercenary. Like I listen to, to everything, but, but lately I've been listening a lot to a band from my, from, my region from Valencia, which is called Zoo, Z-O-O. And they are they are a funny mix of folk, rock, uh, techno. <laughs> and they are just wonderful. They are folk just, rock, they are just wonderful. techno. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, their songs are very powerful. They they, they, they sing in Valencian, uh, which is, is like Catalan. It's my second language, and it's very dear to me. So there is also a, an emotional link to the... To the band, and this is one of the things that that are very difficult to test about music, no? Like when it's no longer about the music, it's about that these guys are from my town and they sing uh, about things that I know and they sing in my in 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 my language other than Spanish, right? And and that gives a special thing to 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 what they do. That brings me further joy. It is interesting, and we we are actually going to be interviewing um, Dessa, the the rapper, um, artist, singer, um, and, and we're going to talk to her about emotion and music. Um, and and so I don't know if if you have if you 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 said that this element of trying to elicit you know what is emotional within a song is is difficult. But do you know of is there any research out there that talks about is it the lyrics is it the is it the music itself is it some combination of those is there larger is it fall within a larger sphere like you said that they're from my you know original hometown or this is the music I heard when I was young and I associate it with this point in my life or these feelings at that point. I, I don't know. Do, do you know of any, either of you know of anything um, along that line? Yeah. I mean, I mean, if you, if you want to focus on, on the structure of, of the music uh, for sure tension. So rise when the music rises and falls, right. That is related to, to, to pleasure. And then mm-hmm. uh, Ernest uh, has uh, worked on on musical surprise and how musical surprise is related to to pleasure, right, Ernest? Yeah. So there are different again different sources. No one can be just the the melodic or rhythmic structure which has something appealing to you, and it's there is some sort of trade off between how surprising or how complex is a musical piece, so that you can actually that there is something uh, surprising in there, but at the same time that it makes sense because otherwise mm. you get lost so there is some sort of trade-off there that probably also depends on on your expertise your training and many other things and that's why as pablo said there might be music that we love and our neighbor may hate Uh, is there any recent um or newer research that you guys are doing that it doesn't have to relate to pandemic or even music in 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 that instance that that you wanted to share or, or kind of are excited about yeah, I can go. Uh, we this is something that I, I'm very invested in. Uh, we are developing a wearable to allow for the re- recording of of emotional responses to music in real in real environments, like in a concert. So we have different ways of measuring emotion from evoking from music and or and other pleasurable stimuli in the lab. So yes, we can put a person inside of the MRI scanner. Uh, we can use a skin conductance, which is the difference uh, in the conductivity of the of the skin is they developed an algorithm that can detect when people have goosebumps oh <laughs> with a camera so we have turned that into into a wearable and we have a prototype device that that, that works very well and basically it's a mini computer with a tiny camera that records your skin and you can be dancing and we can we can see in real time when uh, when we have a chill many people have goosebumps right emotional goosebumps so when that happens we can track it in uh, in real time the proto- the prototype works very well we are trying to to make it better now but this is something that i am very very excited about because i'm really interested in trying to measure emotion and pleasure and reward from music but not in the lab like try to go outside and see how how that looks when when we go for a run when we work when we yeah. dance when we are in a concert music in the wild huh music in the wild yes <laughs> i like I, it i love it er- ernest how about how about you so, well, now I'm starting a new project to investigate what Pablo was saying, to see or to understand 
why we have different musical preferences, even though mm -hmm. we may have been exposed to people may have, may has been exposed to the same type of music, but still one may develop a preference towards one musical genre in particular and the other to another one. Basically what I'm trying to do is to design a task that allow us to study how sensitive is each person to the complexity of music in terms of its rhythm, its uh, melody and the harmony. And then use that in order to predict potential music that you may like and you may find appealing that maybe you have not been even exposed to. Uh -huh. So see what people like in terms of complexity and then use that to recommend them music that fits this degree of complexity that for them it's sort of manageable and enjoyable. We are going to be back in touch on that because that sounds fascinating. We we recently talked with Jonah Berger at Wharton, and of all things, he recently did some research just looking at song titles. Like, what is there a word or words that make a song more popular? And he discovered that in the English language, the word "you," you, is the 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 key driver to having a hit song, and so. It makes me wonder about what it is on a neurological basis that connects us to you. Why is hearing the word you, is it the sound? Is it the meaning um, that that has an impact on us? Um, his, his research hasn't gotten there yet, but... And I, cool. you know, I, I, always, I love talking to researchers because we get to talk about these things, but then I always feel like, damn, I wish there was somebody doing that. <laughs> Well, thank you both uh, for taking time to join us on Behavioral Grooves today. This has really been a pleasure. Same here. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's been a pleasure to, to talk to you. Thanks for the invite. Welcome to our grooving session where Tim and I groove on what we learned from our discussion with Arnest and Pablo, have a free-flowing conversation, and talk about whatever else comes into our musically happy brains. Ah, oh, yeah. Get that reward center going. Yes. Yeah. yeah. At the, you obviously felt like music was going to be a, a key indicator or key, key piece of this bringing happiness into people's lives. I was less sure when I heard oh, about this research. I was, really? I, well, music is great. I like music. We all like music to a certain degree, but I mean, really better than exercise, having more impact than getting out into nature, having a greater impact than cooking a good meal, yeah. better impact than sex. I mean, come on. Yeah. Uh, that seems pretty far-fetched, but that's, what their research talked about. I thought I it was pretty 19 cool. I think 19% better. Like, like not just, a, <laughs> not, not just a, eh, just kind of squeaked it out. And, you know, the last minute it, it's, it's a significantly better and right. And, and maybe we should actually start talking about this. Maybe we should just groove on this idea that music matters in a big way because of all the things that it covers because of the way that we can experience it. Cause it could be passive we can just have it playing in the background, you know, sort of, it can be a prime. Dun, 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 dun. Go on. I'm, I'm going to have yeah, playing okay. music you're, in the background. You're going to do this the is, This is the musical background first. when you're talking so that we can bring that in. <laughs> this totally changes things now. Thinking of you composing the background music while I'm talking. Hey, you're not the only, well, yes, you are the only musical yeah. genius in well, this duo, but <laughs> I can, I can, I can, you hum, can. A, hum a bad tune. No, you, no, you, we, we have demonstrated that you absolutely have musical ability. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, <laughs> but good, we digress. So good music matters. <laughs> Maybe that's what I want to say. <laughs> good music matters. I, I like the qualifier out there, Tim. That's a, that's probably a really good thing. I don't know if they they did Pablo and Arnest study bad music. Like, did no. they study me like singing to people? Because that would probably depress no. them a lot more than it would make them happy. So no, Ron Kivitz did some research though on. Uh, asking people to rate music, uh, they had to go in and they were rewarded for 
for rating songs and they needed to be paid uh, or rewarded with a lot more when they were listening to songs that were just really bad. <laughs> like they demanded, <laughs> they demanded a much higher pay than, than when they were not, you know, when the, if it was really enjoyable, it's like, Oh, this is super great. I'll, I'll rate a lot of these. Yeah. But when they were forced to rate really crappy songs, they did not, they demanded a much higher reward but <laughs> but those people were also less likely to defect from the program mm. than, than the ones who just listened to the easy stuff because they put more effort into it yeah the so, ikea effect there you go there yeah there you go okay but uh, let, <laughs> i, I want to get back to this idea that one of the th coolest parts about music is that it it helps um it helps us as a, mu a mood regulator yeah right? we can have it playing in the background we can use it to sort of prime us Bob Cialdini talked about liking to walk onto the stage with uh, Aretha Franklin's Think. That mm -hmm. song was a really important way for him to sort of prime the audience. Um, you know, it's dancing, playing, performing, composing. It, it can be appreciated in a lot of ways. Whereas cooking, while it may regulate our emotions, cooking is kind of you make it and then you eat it. And then mm. whoop, done. Mm-hmm. Kind of boring, isn't it? I just, I think cook, I just made cooking sound awful. You <laughs> did, but you know, it's a, there is, there is a very specific time and place for cooking. Whereas, as you said, mu music, you particularly today with all the different ways of being able to get music, you can take it anywhere. It is available twenty four seven. You're not having to do, as you said, it can be passive. It, you don't have to necessarily do effort, but you can do effort if you want to make music and. You talk about this all the time, this idea that there's some evolutionary components of music that we mm. actually started playing beating drums and different things even before we could uh, talk, before language was developed. And so there's there's a component that this is in our DNA at some really deep level. Yeah, yeah. And that gets expressed both communally and individually. Right, because we have this opportunity to experience music individually with all of the devices that we have to listen on, um, but we also have the opportunity to experience music communally, which was like, which is, probably has a strong evolutionary factor. Right, churches, uh, you know, so religious experiences, uh, concerts, sporting events. Um, there's a strong nationalistic side to this as as well that we use songs. Like the the not the national anthem in in the United States before a sporting event isn't just a sign of national pride. It's a it's also a sign of I'm at a sporting event because this is what we do. Yeah, you know it's it's kind of it's kind of both. It's unifying as I'm supporting my team and supporting the event, but I'm also supporting my nation at the same time. Right? Yeah. It, so we had an au pair who uh, one of our favorite au pairs who is from Estonia, and. She clued me in on this history fact about Estonia that I didn't understand. So Estonia, you know, is one of those small um, Baltic states that uh, was occupied by the Soviet Union. And she talked about uh, Estonia's singing revolution. And so in Estonia, in the mid 80s, late 80s, they had uh, they have these singing festivals, these choral singing festivals, and they were really popular. But what they ended up turning into was this counter protest to the Soviet occupation that they started singing these old patriotic Estonian songs. Uh, wow. So like you said, like at the beginning of a, of a ball game, you sing the national anthem. Well, they were singing these songs that for a certain part, I think, I don't know if they were outlawed or not, but they were, they were definitely not um, smiled upon by the the Soviet regime. And they started fl flying the old Estonian flag, which was actually oh. outlawed at these. And these grew and grew and grew. And it became a very, it was a peaceful protest, but these large singing festivals were the way that Estonia protested the Soviet Union's occupation of them and ruling of them. So to your point, they are social. They are this element of drawing people together for larger purposes than my own self-interest. It's these larger nationalistic and other factors that go into that. So, well, just to, just to riff on that, 
music in a social scheme dates back in the United States into uh, into times of slavery when um, Africans were brought to the United States in, in as enslaved people, and they learned how to pass the time in the fields to try to sort of ease the the, the effort that they were putting forth by singing, and they, it was also an instructional thing. Like they could they could they could sing songs about hope or sing songs about joy or challenges that were again not just a way of passing the time but instructional about hey there's something better you know on the other side and then if we fast forward into the you know a century later into the 1950s i'm just going to rant on this cuz this is fantastic we get uh folk music that is now using music at, in protests right mm. the folk music became central to the civil rights movement uh and and uh to sort of act as a centerpiece for civil unrest when things weren't equitable, you know, in the world, music became a, a, a central part of that. So it's fantastic. I mean, you think about music again in in the late '60s, early '70s, and the Vietnam War protests that were going right. on, and there again, the again. music that came out of that era. Today, you have to wonder with everything going on along the lines of of Black Lives Matter and various different elements of that, you have to think that some of the music that is being created today is in response to that and as such may have a a longer impact on on things or an, an immediate impact on on things now, I'm not up on current music, um, at least not the popular stuff, to to know enough if that is indeed the case. But you would think, right? It has happened repeatedly in the past. You wonder if that's still going to happen today. So, are you saying that Depeche Mode hasn't released any protest songs recently? Uh, you know, not that I know of. Right? My my '80s reference uh, bands are not out there. Uh, at the forefront of of these latest protests. So, yeah. okay, what else should we groove on here, Kurt? Surprise! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, surprise. And this gets for me. This gets back into songwriting. Like yeah. the best songs. If we <clears throat> again, we take this back to Baroque music. The best songs are those that that have a certain amount of predictability that we kind of sort of know where it's going, and then oh. It doesn't go exactly where we thought it was going to go. The mm-hmm. melody, the words, the chords, that all of a sudden there's a little bit of a, a left turn built into it. And that little bit of surprise can really be pleasing to our brains. That that absolutely reinforces the reward center for us. As I remember uh, my buddy, um, Jim, and me in college, and we were, you know, we were big into my, our 80s bands, right? And, and one of the things that we always... Um, noticed is that a lot of the songs that we liked had this like pause in the middle, this, this dead space, like they would just stop and then start. And there was that. That's a surprise. It's a surprise, right? You, you don't necessarily anticipate that. So it's, it's interesting how that surprise comes in. And I think this goes beyond music though too, right? I mean, what else is more pleasurable with surprises versus things that, are maybe not so pleasurable with surprises, right? So all, all the Agatha Christie novels where Hercule Poirot <laughs> solves a mystery, and you go, "How the hell could he do that?" I'm to- I'm totally surprised by his ability. And of course, it's simply because the author didn't tell us everything that <laughs> you know you needed to know. But but still, we were surprised, right? But I think there's 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 this element again of all right, can food. Right, we, we talked about cooking earlier. Oh yeah, food. I can have a, a fantastic pizza or fantastic steak that tastes just like my past steak. But I think there's an element that if there's again a little bit of surprise, ooh, they added, you know, this into my pizza. Oh my gosh, you know, the first time I had pineapple on pizza. Wow, that was pretty dang surprising right and it's actually pretty good right <laughs> yes now uh, you and i agree on that absolutely <laughs> but i think there's also this this fact that you could take that too far right you could you could yes you know all right let's put some you know baked beans and sauerkraut on on pizza all right that's surprising 
not such a good idea. I don't know if it's such a good idea. Um, and, and in a song, if you had too many stops, what? Yeah, it would be disjointed. Predictable. Yeah, it, yeah, it, it, it's, it's a disjointed or it becomes predictable or, or whatever that would be. You know, I think there's social interactions, right? So surprise, like running into a friend back in the days when we could be out and just about and all of a sudden yeah. it's like, oh my gosh, I haven't seen you in ages. Um, and, and that surprise is, is wonderful. And then for some people, surprise parties are great. For other people, surprise parties are like horrible. Yeah. You yeah. Know? So again, it's the comfort and familiarity that we have with something that, that I think drives that. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, this is, this is great because I've got a bonus track coming up here in just a second. And uh, thanks for listening folks. And it'll be a surprise. This is Tim with our bonus track and groove idea for the week. Our discussion with Pablo and Ernest highlighted something that I've long believed, that music is good for you. Music more than any other activity, cooking, exercise, meditation, has been proven to have a positive effect on our mood, especially during the pandemic. Pablo and Ernest believe that because listening to music is a passive activity and is so accessible or fun and free as they call it, Everyone can experience pleasure from it. And it's not just listening to music, but dancing, singing, and playing music are also beneficial. There's no prescriptive type of music that works the best. In fact, the music that you will get the most benefit from is the music that you love, whether it's jazz, hip hop, country, classical, or Celtic punk like Ernest. The most important element is that you enjoy it. And just a personal note, We've had a handful of guests that I would consider wildly eclectic in their taste, but Ernest really hit it out of the park on this one. Okay, now our groove idea for the week. We've all been spending more time at home, so why not turn on more music this week? Dance around the kitchen, belt out your favorite tunes in the shower, sing into your hairbrush while you're getting ready for your first Zoom call, blast your most upbeat melodies in your ears as you're going for your afternoon walk, or just have some songs on in the background while you're winding down from your workday. And let us know what you're listening to. Well, not if not all of us, just let me know what you're listening to because I'm curious. And send us a link to your favorite playlist if you would. We'd love to know what helps lift your mood this week. And with that, we want to thank you for listening. We appreciate the time you spend with us and we hope that you found this episode valuable. If it is, please leave us a review or share this episode with a friend. And with that, we encourage you to go out this week and find your groove.